0: Welcome back to the Her Advantage podcast. I'm your host, Mel, and this is episode number 17. In this episode, I have dragged in one of my coaches, Justin Wiseman. Justin and I met in another coaching container and started working together a few months ago on a one-to-one basis. Justin is well versed in the D Martini language and the world of values, and that was originally what I wanted to get him talking about. But in true Justin style, we just riffed on a whole deep of a whole heap of other things. So in this podcast, you will find a little bit more about the coaching space and what it means to us. Justin and I then go into talking about. Resentment. We talk about the fight and flight response. We look at blame and creating space within that. We then go into talking about the pain cycle and the ability to find meaning in our discomfort. Now, the aim of this podcast is obviously not to trigger some people, but there are some pretty challenging components. So I encourage you to listen with an open mind. And if there is anything you would like to discuss, please hit Justin and I up. We are always open for this discussion. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy. So I chose to work with you
1: because you
0: have this non-judgmental demeanor as well as educational. So you, I felt seen but also with a platform to go, hey, cool, if that's where you're at, how about we shift over here rather than um. whereas other coaches I've worked with in the past,
1: I've just felt, yeah, like
0: my growth wasn't fast enough or, you know, I wasn't absorbing what they wanted me to absorb or like just little things like that. Oh, um. You. So that's why I think that you'd be great on podcasts because you can you talk your talk with like it without it sounding what's the word I just use? Judgy. Yeah, judgy, but also lecturing.
2: Yeah, lecturing. I'm the anti lecturist who lectures in a way that's educational, but you don't know I'm lecturing. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, well, you know what's really interesting about that is I think because of my own life experience, like I realize there's nothing really like as a human being obviously we all we all create judgments and we can't escape that part of ourself um but i think your journey actually makes way for realizing that people are just human beings and there's no reason to actually no reason to actually judge and if you are judging well it's just a reflection of you anyway you know like my experience of being like all my drug use all the crazy shit that i've done in the past like I think that journey in itself actually set me up for in some way for
3: this path in order to be able to create that space for people. Yeah. Because, yeah, I've definitely been, well, I've definitely been in some pretty fucking crazy, dark, weird spots myself doing some stuff that most of society would would condemn. Um, so I don't really think... Oh, no,
2: sorry. There's been one moment with one client once when what they told me, I nearly fell backwards off my chair. Because, (laughs) and it wasn't like a judgment thing. That was me telling you about
0: that thing, right?
2: Yeah, that thing, yeah. (laughs) Well, it was just because um, the thing was just so extreme that had had never crossed my mind that that would actually happen to another human being.
0: Did you then have to go and own the trait? Uh,
2: No, I didn't because it wasn't it was that person's experience that mm-hmm. she had happened to her um yeah that's the only time like where I definitely feel like what I was feeling just like you would have just been able to read it on my face yeah she read it she saw um and she was and I was like and I was pretty much like look I'm like I'm just taken aback. I've never like that that has never crossed my mind before I don't I just didn't it was like just a massive bat to the face, and she was fine because she was she's been in the work too for a while, and she mm-hmm. goes, "Oh no, it's fine." Like it's like pretty hardcore. <laughs> it's like it's the most hardcore thing I've ever fucking heard. So yeah, but thank you. I think that's <laughs> probably well. I think that's part of like part of being a great coach, though, is that having that capacity to assess people, see people, n- not. Like, create that space for them to feel not judged. Because if you want someone to open up in order to move, they need to feel like they have the space to do that and work through that themselves. I know I've worked with coaches in the past where, literally, what you said, it's like, well, I wasn't taking in the information or I wasn't doing things their way. And they wanted me to change things to how they did things because that's how things had worked for them in the past. And so you were shoved into their box. That often someone else's box doesn't necessarily work for you, you know? And I think that's part of the process of coaching and being on this journey. And it doesn't matter what space you're in, whether that's business mindset, you know, whatever, coaching, consulting, it doesn't matter. I think that yes, there's strategies that work, but not all strategies work for everybody, right? That's why there's so many different platforms,
0: how do you feel about, you know, if we're going to continue talking about coaching for a minute in that realm as well, how do you feel, well, like, how can you recognize,
1: because obviously you then you've employed a coach for a reason,
0: and then at some point, you know, if we if I speak about my own example where I'm like, you know what, at the, at this point, I don't think this is the right coaching relationship for me, at what? Ken, is there a distinguishing point between quitting and recognizing that maybe the coach has gotten you as far as they need you need? Or like I said, the coaching relationship isn't ideal to then move on.
2: Mm, It's a good question. I think there's a difference between being triggered by your coach. Yeah. And then having an intuition that says,
3: okay, this relationship's done. I need to move on. Right? Because the truth is, is if your coach is triggering
2: you in some way, shape or form, there's probably more there for you to learn and grow from, from working with that coach. But if there's nothing really left there for you to extract out, and maybe, maybe that's either through the knowledge that they've shared with you or through the strategies or even through the mindset, or you just feel like that relationship is over and you've outgrown it, um, then that's probably the time to make that move. And I guess, too, it also depends on why
3: you've employed or hired a coach because there's different reasons for people to do so. Um, You know, if I have a look at, well, it really comes down to what's their skill set, why have you hired them? And so there's some skill
2: sets that coaches have that can be used across your entire journey, no matter the level you get to. And sometimes that relationship ends because, might end because, okay, well, you know, I'm just kind of looking for a different approach to um, maybe the same sort of um, transformations that you're getting with this person, right? So an example of that might be is that you've done a lot of uh, mindset stuff where people are specifically working on the way that you're thinking uh, in order to change the way that you're feeling and in order to change the results and your outcomes. And you might go, oh, well, I want to start doing some more, you know, like I'm getting results here, but I'd like to explore the somatic space. So it might be the, the question of, exploration and so then you choose to to move on and um sometimes that happens and sometimes clients can come back and then other times they don't come back because that seems to fit their current experience
3: of the world better where they're at other times depending on depending on why specifically you've hired them often i think too if it's like say for example if you,
2: you've hired someone for business um and the purpose of using them for business is, say, for example, to help you with making better decisions and to overcome, you know, whatever you're like mentally or emotionally stuck on. Right. And their skill set is is usable at every level of business because they're dissecting and helping you to make better decisions and help you move in the right direction. And that's what you call upon them for. Sometimes if you've got the right energy with that individual, the best thing that you can do is stay in a container for that person for as long as possible. because Shifting containers all the time with different coaches means that that there's energy um, that's leaked out just in the pursuit of finding someone who fits you now. And then, you know, then you've got to feel it out. Like it might take three months to feel out if this relationship is actually working or not working for you. So I often think that if you've got a good coach and, you know, I've been in, in um, one of Tanya's containers now, which is one of my coaches, and I've switched through some of her containers like nearly two years now. Right. So, so because she fits for me. Right. So, um, and I ducked in and out of that container, you know, that like there's been times when I haven't been in and then there's been times when I just go back in depending on what I'm focused on. So. um,
0: I think that's anyway. how she's designed it too, as well. I don't think.
2: Yeah. Well, it is designed that way so that yeah. you're able to, to come and go as you need. And and she gets this stuff. She knows it, you know, like people will shift in and out of, of what they're doing. And sometimes. You know, the way I look at it is sometimes if, you know, you might be applying other things, so therefore you don't need that that space. But with her, those types of containers, you can come and go whenever you want. Mm. Um, so, yeah, um, I think if you find someone who really fits for you and they're helping you to progress, um, then the best thing that you can do is just stay in that container with them. As long as possible if it's fitting and helping you to achieve the results and the outcomes that you decided that you wanted when you made the decision to go with that coach yeah right? it kind so, of
0: go- goes back to what we were talking about before we hit record the mindset skill application mm. that cycle of learning sometimes yeah. it's mindset work th- sometimes it's skill application
3: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well i think
2: well, that's another thing too you've got to look at as well. Like, I suppose if we're talking coaches and you just made me click to this, some coaches are phenomenal at strategy. That's their thing. Other coaches are phenomenal at, at understanding the tactics that are required. Some coaches are phenomenal at teaching skill sets, right, and others are phenomenal at mindset. Some have a broad spectrum and can teach
3: the whole lot. What's your thing? Well, it's, it's mindset, I think. Like I feel like it's mindset, but I definitely – it's
2: mindset and then it's the skill set of those tools that I teach for the mindset. Um, but then it's also there's thinking strategies as well and then there's ways to apply them. So if, if, if I box it, it's like human behaviour and mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's like how do you apply that to all the, the different areas of life? But if you come in and say, hey, business strategy and you're trying to come in from the outside, can you help me with this? I'm not going to say yes.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: That makes sense. But if you've got thinking issues around business strategy, then I can help you. So it, can I give an example on that of, of one?
0: Please. Like
1: You're going to throw me under like. the
0: bus here?
3: No, no, it's not you. So um, so there's a, a gym that, that I used to work with and they used to help, um, well, sorry, not the gym itself, but obviously
2: the owner. Um, but the way that that person used to set up joint ventures was that um it would be 50-50 and the way that it would work is he would put the money in and the other person would do all the work right and so what what the pattern that keeps cycling was that he put the cash in he, the person he go 50 with would do the work but then what would happen is that that person who was doing all the work would end up building up resentment because the person who was investing wasn't actually putting any time and energy in yet they were taking few percent of the profits right and so so you might go, oh, well, that's a strategy issue. Well, it partly is, right? It, it is a strategy issue, but those strategies do work. The challenge was, was that for him in his thinking is that he overvalued the money. So he, he was overvaluing how much money he was putting in versus the value of the individual who was going to be doing all the work. And so automatically, he was creating a resentment cycle with the other business, with the personal partnership that he was going into with. Because they would end up doing all the work, he'd do nothing because of the overvalue of the cash, which he thought was the most valuable thing, which then would cause a resentment cycle and cause the businesses to collapse. Right. So, so while it looks like a strategy, he was never going to shift the way he was thinking about it if we never worked on his mindset. Right. So, so that's strategy. Then it goes down into like, okay, well, what's what's how we specifically going to change this. But really, we had to start with his mindset, right? Instead of building himself up so much for having the cash to inject and then expecting others to subordinate to what he wanted in the business and then him taking all the money out, we had to shift his perspective on that and his perception on that in order for it to create a more equal relationship within the business and for him to actually value what the what the other business or the person who was going in a partnership was doing. Um, once we shifted that, he had more successful um business partnerships but everyone before that point had kept collapsing mm-hmm. and he kept doing the same thing kept applying the same strategy but that strategy was driven by the way he thought about the business relationship
3: and and the way he thought about money so 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 when you look at that it was like the whole lot the thinking was
2: driving the strategy was driving the tactics not so much skill set there wasn't really a skill set issue there but the tactics and the strategy that was going into those business partnerships and the way it was getting set up was all driven by the way he was thinking about things. So once we shifted that, everything else shifted automatically. Now, we could have, he could have just changed the strategy. The problem is, is if he changed the strategy um, because of the way that he thought, then he would have had resentment and frustration at the, at the business itself and the other business owner in thinking that he was being undervalued. And so therefore, he would have self-destructed the businesses anyway. So that's why you can have a strategy.
3: Um, That's why you can have a strategy and change a strategy. But if you don't change your thinking, you just self-destruct it in a different way. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Because if he's resentful to the business now, because he feels like it's taking too much and he's not getting valued enough, what do you do when you resent things?
0: Are we going to apply that to health though, right? Like if someone starts a new diet or someone starts a new exercise program and... That's the only thing they look at.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just, well, you push away whatever you resent,
1: mm.
2: right? It's a, It triggers a fight-or-flight response. You'll either fight to get it back to the way that you want it if you're a fighter or you'll either run or you'll freeze and do nothing and be passive as fuck and let the whole shit just fall down and burn down around you, right? Or you'll just give in to the other person, right? You'll, you'll fawn around them. So, so resentment produces a fight or flight response, and so in some way, shape, or form, you're going to have a a, a response based on one of those things. Yeah. So okay. for him, the, the the only way to change it was to shift his mindset, because otherwise, he would have burnt it down in a different way. Would have yeah. burnt down in a different way versus the way that it was. But yes, you, you apply that to health.
3: Um, I guess in a, a little bit of a different context um you get the same thing people burn their health down right doesn't matter what they what they do it seems like no matter what i do and you probably hear
2: this no matter what i do i could never get the result no matter what i do i end up sabotaging it yeah but no matter what i do whatever i've tried i've never got the result that i want right so they've probably got a strategy there's nothing wrong with the strategy what's going on in here that's the question yeah
0: yeah,
3: yeah. yeah.
0: i'd love to hear more about resentment
3: what specifically would you love
0: to hear more <laughs> about i don't know just then when you were talking about you know um mm-hmm. the fact that resentment leads to burning shit to the ground
2: mm-hmm. um well enough enough of it, all um,
0: those responses sorry when that resentment <clears> like you have you enter into one of those responses yes um and i'm just thinking about the women that i work with specifically in my group format and i can sort of seeing that see that come up in different areas Hmm. Um. So, how can we? One, can you define resentment and sort of have a talk to talk to it a little bit in terms of even just identifying it,
3: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: and then go through those responses again.
3: Okay. So, <clears throat> if you
2: well, let, let's just go high level first. So, resentment, is, <laughs> uh, right? So, resentment <laughs> is really just it's a perception. Okay. So, resentment is the peeling. All our feelings are driven by um, our perception that we've created on an external event, situation, person, whatever, right? So the resentment, if we look at it high level, is just a perception of more drawbacks to benefits to you, right? So you perceive that someone's done something to you, which is more drawbacks and benefits, and therefore you feel resentful. Now, that can be like, you know, you could label it anger you can label it as, like, resentment's, like, pretty deep. Like, if you think about resentment, when someone resents someone, like, it's like a big, like, I fucking hate you type thing. Like, that's mm-hmm. resentment. There's, like, anger then there's resentment. If you have a look at a resentment to a specific person or a specific thing, it's usually an accumulation of multiple things over time that causes someone to have a deep-seated resentment for someone. Mm-hmm. Now, we can have moments in time where we think, fuck you, I hate you, over one thing, right? Like, you know, it could be like 10 minutes, it could be an hour, and then like it kind of just dis- dissipates or so we recognize it and we we move through it and it dissipates, right? So, so you can have that, but but resentment is really just that that um, the perception more drawbacks, the benefits to me, call, and we perceive that it's caused by somebody else's actions or inactions towards us. So an example of that could be, um, oh, sorry, before I go there, um, also towards yourself so you can have self-resentment
0: mm-hmm.
2: right so it's like well i've caused myself more pain than pleasure in the past and so therefore i resent myself for those things that i've done is this and where I- we'd
0: hear language like oh i'm an idiot oh i shouldn't have done that
2: yeah like if we want to put it in a big box you could definitely say that but maybe that's also like shame guilt that mm-hmm. pops in there as well like we can have anger at ourselves or resentment towards ourselves. Um, But then there's just scales too, I think, you know, like we can feel ashamed, we can hate ourselves, we can fucking resent ourselves. Mm
4: -hmm. And
2: really it's just the degree of pain that we perceive that we caused ourselves will will show up in the way that we speak about ourselves, right? So you might say, well, um, well, what's a good example? Like you just said, well, I'm an idiot. Well, if you're saying I'm an idiot, you're probably not going to resent. Resent is probably the wrong feeling that you're getting from thinking that you're an idiot. You probably don't resent yourself. But let's say, for example, if you're blaming yourself, and blame usually comes into resentment as well, there's usually an element of blame. Um, or or in their language, that it's like they're blaming somebody else outside of them or themselves for doing something. So an example of that would be, and I'm just thinking of a client, was that she blamed herself severely for the breakup of her relationship because there were specific things that she perceived she did in the relationship that then caused the relationship to break up. And so she, she literally, her language was like, I hate myself for doing these things. And so if you get sent, like when she got sent I'm like, I hate myself. And in those moments, it was like deep anger for herself. Right. And so that would be showing up and you would call that resentment. It's like, I fucking resent myself. I want to change this part of me. I wish I never did this or someone else. I wish they didn't do this. You know, I fucking hate them for that. Right. So. So it'll show up in your language in that way as well. So you can really identify it by the degree of how you're talking, but also the feeling in your body. Right? Like if I said to you right now who's someone that you really fucking hate, or someone who <laughs> right? But like even for your listeners listeners, <laughs> it's like, well, I don't want you all to go get really fucking angry and pissed off right now. But if you want to know like what it, what it if feels you, like, go to I can a specific guarantee meeting. that
0: someone would come to mind. Like
2: Yes. Yeah. Think about that person yeah and go to the moment that that you're pissed off with them about and then i tell you right now you're going to be feeling it right and whatever you're thinking in that moment is driving that feeling of resentment right like i'm thinking of a person now i can feel my face wanting
3: to change a bit i'm like talking myself (laughs) into it right so so um so yeah, high level, it's like
2: more pain than pleasure, and then as we come down, like you'll feel it, your thoughts will match it, your language will 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 speak into it. Then coming into like those reactions, right, or those responses, fight or flight responses. So, um, it, if we look at it in regards to like a fight or flight response, our
3: fight or flight responses are like fight, fight, um, basically like pretend we're dead. You know, which is people
2: do this. So like in the sense of they don't do anything. That's just like the freeze response. So they've got shit going on in their life, but they don't do anything about it. And it's almost like they're frozen in regards to the challenges going on around them. So it might not be a lion or a tiger or whatever, you know, if you talk, if if we're looking like back into um, say primitive days or ancient days where, you know, like we are early man and, and some of these responses were valid right um and it's not that and i don't and i don't want to give the impression that they're not valid now because they are in regards to the way that you're perceiving the world and so therefore you're pers- oh, shit i'm gonna dive down a rabbit hole here. <laughs> um they're still valid because the perception of what's going on in the way that you perceive the world in those moments causes you to have that response so just because it's not an actual line Does't mean that the perception of what's occurring to you in regards to the way that the brain filters reality um, means doesn't mean that you won't have the same response
3: as that.
0: What are some of the actions we see in freeze? Is this when we're sort of dive into addictive behaviors like,
3: well, TV
0: watching
2: well, freeze is more of an inaction. It's like mm-hmm. I don't do anything.
0: That's what I mean. like if we're
2: but then if you look at addictive behaviors, TV, um well it depends you know like people watch tv for different reasons so i don't want to talk in that sense but if you're using say social media television porn it doesn't actually matter like sex relationships food drugs alcohol in order to buffer what you're feeling so let's say for example every time you get angry you try to avoid it and so you go drinking as an example and so you're trying to buffer that's more of a behavior associated with trying to avoid your emotions rather than say potentially a freeze response um
3: although I'm not saying that people don't necessarily what well, may not people may turn to that depending on
2: the pain that's going on in their life in order to buffer the pain um in order to avoid the fact that they need to deal with it but I wouldn't necessarily say that that is 100% someone's Mm -hmm. response because remember everyone has different patterns there's there's definitely patterns that are pretty obvious with majority of people depending on what's going on but then all of those have nuances as well so so right so some people's um some people's fight response can be literally to burn shit to the ground like fuck you all i'm going to destroy it all
3: other people's fight response isn't that you know it just depends on what their their patterns are right so so We've got fight, flight, freeze, response, which
2: has to do with the nervous system, right, which is basically filtered through our perceptions. And So if we have a look at uh, resentment, resentment normally triggers a, like, if we look at it, normally triggers a fight response. Like, you see people become self-righteous and aggressive normally due to anger and and resentment. They don't usually fly, Mm -hmm. right, unless... They perceive that that whatever they're fighting is going to kick their fucking ass.
4: And so mm-hmm. normally,
3: if there's a perception I can I can win, or if the resentment's great enough, I will fight it
4: mm-hmm.
3: versus fight it, right? Or if whatever you're fighting for is big enough for you to to actually willingly potentially
2: put your life on the line to fight for that thing, then you'll fight it.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: But there's different there's different patterns around that. Right, And and it, you'd have to get really specific with the individual to, to talk, like to actually get clear on what actually shows up for them with resentment. But one of the key things often at times if you resent a person is you try to create space between you and them, right? So there might be a fight and then there'll be, okay, let's create space. And often we create yeah. space because the space allows us, well, if, if I look at it like this, it's like, okay, well, we resent them, so therefore we have an element of blame towards them. So the blame, the blame, the benefit of the blame is it actually creates space for us to actually go back within ourselves and figure out what's going on. If, if the person's self-aware not aware enough to realize that's what the pattern's trying to lead them to, instead of just focusing on the other person, how, where do I need to look and focus on myself to realize, okay, well, what part have I played in this whole dynamic? So I don't know if I've answered your question now. Yeah, you. but now
0: I want to keep going down that rabbit hole. You know, okay, so we have this moment of um I've just what, what's the word we're working on? Resentment. Yes. And we're creating space and there's a little bit of blame that comes up. Mm-hmm. We want to blame the other person for not showing up how we think that they should be showing up. Mm-hmm. How can we? I mean, we want to honor that as well. We want to honor our anger, right? We're not trying to completely extinguish that and not feel but Mm -hmm.
1: how can we look at that
0: perspective like zoom out from that perspective and look at another side of it rather than going yeah you're that you know or look at our involvement in that
3: Mm. so well the the first thing really like because I like what you said
2: it's not about like getting rid of the emotion or not feeling it I think that's
3: that's one of the biggest traps the entire personal development field has. So most people actually get
2: into this space because they're trying to not feel something or they're trying to get rid of a part of themselves, right? And if you look at the journey of that for the Western world, usually starts with a psychologist, starts with medication because the medication is going to dull yeah. something that we're feeling or get, or supposedly get rid of a part of us. And then eventually we realize we need more and more medication because it doesn't matter what we do, those judgments are still there and 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 we still feel it. Right. You know, we, we might become numb, but it's still there, it's still running our psychology. Um and then we go, well, fucking hell, this isn't working. And then most people jump to positive psychology or positive thinking. And then when they jump into positive thinking, they go, Oh, fuck, this is making my life a little bit better. Um, because they've actually been stuck in spirals of thinking negatively, right? As the example. And that's the thing they're trying to get rid of, and whatever that looks like. So they actually feel like life gets a little bit better. But then all of a sudden they they realize that fuck I'm still thinking negatively even though I'm thinking positively. And they go around and they're like, fuck, I'm overly overly positive out on the outside world, but my inner world is a fucking shit show and I fucking hate myself. And so then they go, oh fuck, I don't think any of this stuff works. It's all bullshit. But then they're still feeling the pain and then they start to go on a deeper journey because they realize, well, potentially they realize that, holy shit, like I'm positive and negative. What does that actually mean? And then they start to go on the journey of like looking to um, like still, like they, they kind of get it, but not really. They're still looking to get rid of that pain. They're still looking to get rid of parts of themselves. And they think that they can have a life that's happy without sad, you know, like pleasurable without
3: pain. Um, but then they just go on a, like a bigger journey. Um, until they realize that they actually can't get rid of the parts of
2: themselves. And the whole personal development journey isn't about removing parts of yourself. It's actually about respecting, like learning to respect, integrate, and love parts of yourself and be able to use those parts of yourself on your mission and your journey. Um, but then also realizing that you can't get rid of the part of yourself that actually judges yourself. And so you'll always have judgments on yourself that create shame and guilt. And so you have to learn to love the part of yourself that judges yourself in order for you to actually be able to fully accept who you are no thanks um, yeah right that's right that's right it's like until you realize that there's a part of you that actually judges you that you can't remove because that's a that's a specific trait that as a human being you have and there's benefits to having that thing um and there'd be drawbacks to life if you didn't um, and that part of the journey is actually that it doesn't matter the amount of work you do you're going to have more work to consistently do and that if you don't love that that for a fact of the work, then you're going to fucking hate the work and think that it never works all because you're addicted to this idea that you can have a one-sided fucking life and you can't. And that these parts of you aren't meant to exist when the truth is, is, is that everything in the universe exists for a purpose and if it didn't fucking exist for a purpose, it wouldn't fucking exist. How's this for a thought exercise for people? You try and imagine
3: something right now in the universe that would be purposeless. It doesn't have a purpose. It doesn't have a reason to exist. Your brain can't even comprehend it.
0: I'm pretty sure that there'd be people to be like, oh, gluten, um, ants. I don't know. There'd be things, surely.
2: Take the ants out of the ecosystem. No. <laughs> See what happens. Take gluten out of plants. See what happens. Right? The, well... Okay, like I'm going to come back to your original question but because I just went on a path. Let's take gluten for an example, right? Mm-hmm. All these people who are gluten intolerant who well gluten doesn't have a fucking purpose. No, you're resentful towards gluten because it fucks up your stomach.
0: No, it, it uh, just allows – you have to now think a little bit further about what you actually have to eat rather than just yeah. eating
2: whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, it causes Ooh. me problems and challenges. Well, hold on a minute. Well, how do you know that that – specific thing hasn't like it, it's actually creating a purpose for you because it's actually expanding your awareness It might be actually shifting the way that you eat It actually might be um making you become more aware of your body and you've never been fucking aware of your body before and then all of a sudden this thing shows up and then you're like holy shit what's all this stuff in my body i've been so stuck in my head for fucking 30 years right so so it's like well you could go on the gluten path you think it doesn't have a purpose because you resent it like you don't want it in your life until you've learned to look at how it's actually served your life you're going to resent it and think that it's purposeless but the truth is is that nothing's purposeless it wouldn't exist if it didn't exist for a reason right so so the idea that we can have things that don't have a purpose is false everything in the universe has a purpose including every trait action inaction emotion thought feeling result So how Um, does
0: someone who is in a chronic amount of pain
1: hear that? How do they hear it? I'm very funny. With their ears. No, no, no. Um, When you say that,
2: like, how do they hear it? What do you mean by that? Like, how do they actually come to accept that?
0: Yeah. so, So, you know, and I'm talking maybe someone's experiencing a great loss. Someone is, it's really the pain that I'm thinking of at the moment. Um or have been really dis- disappointed or let down, or there's something going on for them that has just sent them into a inward spiral, let's just say, how do you hear that that has a purpose?
3: Well, the first thing that you that you need to do is probably not hear that it has a purpose. Mm-hmm. Like, depending on your level of awareness is depending on when you're ready to take that on. And so if you're going
2: through something that, and look, I've had this on my Instagram page where people have fucking slammed me. You know, they've said to me, oh, you know, like. My business coach would say you're doing the
0: right thing then. Well, well, it was like, oh, well, great. So,
2: (laughs) you know, like because it was one guy I was talking about, he had, um, I was talking about every how every single problem in your life you have in some way contributed to and Mm co-created, right? And people, and look, this might stir some people up on you podcast as well bring it and look and i'm not saying it in order to to um to make people wrong about what they think or believe but just understand that, that having this level of belief in the way that the universe works actually takes you out of disempowerment
3: into empowerment means that you can actually do something with it right so Anyway, I'm going to come back to your question because I you just
2: have to keep me on track because I'll run off on tangents. But so, I was
0: liking this tangent. Okay, go.
2: Um, no, but I think it's an important question. Mm-hmm. Um, really, it's 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 how do they how do they discover that? Well, maybe they're not ready to discover it.
3: Mm-hmm. Not everyone's
2: ready to discover that at a specific point in time. So the way I like to think about it is that there's this idea that time heals things, but time doesn't heal anything. It's your perception of something over time that heals it. And so that's your intuition working that reveals to you the other side of a situation over time that allows you to then see it, which then heals you, right? And so when you realize that, you realize the purpose of that moment in time and why that actually occurred and how you, how potentially if you go deep enough, you're a co-creator of that and why that thing happened for you in that moment and what it actually saved you from, as an example, right? If, if that's a situation or how it actually served your life and what, what you were contributing to actually co-create that to get you to where you wanted to be. Um, but if we come to like that question, it's like really you need to understand yourself and be self-aware enough first in regards to your thinking, your feeling, what's the facts have happened versus what's the story I'm creating around it, which is then driving the way that I'm feeling about it, which is then driving the way that I'm showing up in the world and my actions, which then reinforce the actual thought or belief that I have around that situation, right? So if if you've got some pain or problem or like let, let's talk health because a lot of people feel feel like they potentially don't have any control over disease or that they're not a, a contributed to that in some way shape or form um which which you know that's the level of that's the level people are playing at and that's fine um can they ever understand.
1: expect to feel relief in that situation
3: of course they can mm-hmm. There's a great book um by oh, shit, I just blanked on it. Fuck. <laughs> um
2: It'll come to you. It'll come to me. Anyway, basically in a, he's in a he's in a concentration camp and basically he's talking about a man's the...
0: search for meaning?
1: Victor Frankl?
2: Yes. Yes. A man's search for meaning. Right? Meaning is purpose. There's meaning within everything in your life, including your disease, including your pain. i read right? that again. Yeah, there's meaning in everything, right? Now, you can talk to people and say, well, how can a man find meaning within those situations? Because he had the perspective to look. Well, he had the, he not necessarily the perspective. He had the, um, well, he was proactive enough to look for it. He was proactive enough to Well, he had a
0: choice, right? He was in a concentration camp and he's like, well, I have a surrender to this or I don't.
2: Yeah, so you have, a choice, that. you have a choice with your pain. You have a choice with your disease.
0: Yeah.
2: You either find the meaning in it and surrender to it or you don't.
0: Now, when and Justin creates- and I are talking about this as well, we're not expecting you to go and find purpose for your no. pain on your own. Like this no. is where you get professionals in to help you with this. But, yeah.
2: Well, like a good example right now for listeners just to understand, like think about something, and I, I don't want you to go to some, and maybe it is, maybe it is something ex- that you perceive was extreme that happened and you still haven't resolved that. Maybe you have found meaning in it yourself without talking to anyone or seeing anyone and you've just been able to do that for you. But just have a think about like situations in the past that at the time, time was super painful, but now you're like, thank you. You found the meaning in it right now that meaning doesn't have to take time there's ways for you to discover that meaning straight away or sorry it still takes a little bit of time instead of of, you know like instead of years but like you know it could be minutes hours days weeks instead of years right so there's ways to discover that um through you know asking the right questions
0: i have a really morbid (laughs) benefit so my parents divorced when i was 18 19 and i remember one of my friends the same friend that introduced me to D Martini and all that stuff, he sat me down and we're like going through the questions and I'm bawling my eyes out at the table. Like, I see no purpose, I see nothing. Um and now at 34 years of age, I'm like, oh yeah, my stepdad's the best thing to come out of my uh, parents' divorce because he's Italian and my mum's fridge is essentially my own personal deli. <laughs> so like this. <laughs> Also, for context, my one of my primary values is food, so I'm like, this is fantastic. (laughs) Slightly morbid, but yeah,
3: that's that's good. It's just (laughs) it's just like it's literally it's part
2: of the. the, There's pleasure in pain. There's pain in pleasure. And you know, Mm -hmm. like we're looking at the other, we're looking at one side here because I think most people relate to having their, their traumas, having their pains. You know, we were originally talking about resentments and, you know, we've tangented off here.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: maybe we should potentially swing back and I can't remember the original question <laughs> that you asked when I went on that tangent about uh, development. But um, um, there's also the other side of this, which is most people don't want to look at. They'll go, well, why the fuck would I want to look at the, the other side of my terrifics? Well, most people don't realise is that their terrifics are the things that they judge their pains to.
1: It's the most humbling experience
2: yes right because if you have a look in your consciousness at any time you're experiencing your pain you've got a comparative of how you think it should be and somewhere in your life you've experienced that and so you're comparing your current reality to that supposed phenomenal experience that you had you had and so therefore you're creating your own pain so you're you're creating this situation for yourself it's not actually what happened to you it's how you perceive it um and that's that's how you transform. That's the transformation, that's how you transform things is through realizing that you're actually in control of your perceptions, your decisions, and your actions. And when you learn how to master your perceptions, you realize that it doesn't matter what happens on the outside. I can, can I can manage myself on the inside that allows me to shift the way that I see things. And I mentioned this in a in a um literally in an Instagram story before, <clears throat> just to give context on this. Every single human being. Um, filters the world through their own values their own beliefs um their past experiences so their memories um their stories etc and let's say their language as well so language is a big part of it and then also um say like the if they went to church like if church was a big thing growing up so then they have the belief systems and the moralities and things that they filter And so all those things combine together in order for an individual to create a perception around how they perceive what's happened around them. Um, And then that perception will create what we call a ratio of perceptions, which would be, as an example, um, could be like when you break it down and pull it out for an individual. Let's say that they have an experience. Let's say they break up with their partner. And in their mind, in that breakup, they're they're experiencing a lot of um, sadness. And then you go, okay, well, you pull it out and the ratio of perceptions is basically well how many benefits are in this situation how many drawbacks and you talk to that person they've probably got 20 drawbacks and like one benefit and so the degree that they have the drawbacks to the benefit in their consciousness will be the degree of the emotion that they're experiencing right when the truth is is that it's equal there's benefits and drawbacks equally um and so every human being filters that now let's imagine that that this person has this experience, but then you talk to Jen, and let's say her name's Janet, but then you talk to Jan, who has, um, who's who's witnessed this experience, right? And she has a different perception of the relationship based on her values, based on her experiences, based on her, um, all the things I went over before, and all of a sudden she thinks she thinks it's the most terrific thing that's ever happened, right? Then you talk to John, who's one of her other friends, and John's witnessed it, and he's neutral on it. He's like, oh well. You know, it is what it is. Like I'm, not, I don't really feel good or bad about it either way. I'm just kind of like, whatever. You know, like she may need support. The other guy, the, the her partner, might need support. Well, I'm good either way. Then you've got a, a spectrum of people all the way in between who've witnessed this relationship breakup. Well, that's specifically because every single human being filters their their world differently, right? Uh, and if we look at this on a grand scale, um, at a bigger scale. If you look at like countries, it's like if you take something like nine eleven, you know September eleven, the whole of the US was in mourning, right? Because we perceived that there was this idea that something terrible happened, um, to, in the US when with the two t- twin towers, right? But then if you if you went over to to the um the, Ar- the sorry the what fuck? There's so many of them. That was yeah. not ISIS. What was it back then? I can't even remember. Whatever. It was
1: ISIS, well, wasn't
2: it? Anyway, yeah. Hardy or whatever, right? Yeah. You know, like, but if you go and talk to them and their perspective and their values, their beliefs and their perception of the world and their religion, it was a great day, right? It was a terrific day that, that, there was, that this occurred. Um, so as an example, it's like, okay, well, you've got people who are mourning and you've got people who are celebrating, right? Who's actually right or wrong? Now, you'll filter that right or wrong based on exactly what I said before, but that doesn't make either right or wrong. It's full of terrific and terrible, because when you actually start to look at that experience of what happened, there was so many benefits that came out of that for for America, right? And uh, and then there was a lot of um, drawbacks that came out of that for the jihad or whatever, yeah. Right? So so um, every experience has has both sides. It's just the fact that every single human being filters the world differently and this is why we can have different perspectives, different opinions. We all have a different thing that drives us and that's why we all have a different mission and trying to create a different thing in the world and one person might be trying to create one thing while someone else is trying to destroy it, right? Mm. So What
0: What encourages people though? I mean you hear stories about identical twins that have the same upbringing and, you know, then have totally different outlooks on life. -hmm. And what's that story? The story is something like, you know, twins had an alcoholic father. One twin grew up to be an alcoholic. The other one didn't. And when the twins were asked, you know, why do you think you are the way you are? They both answered, well, look at my dad. Why wouldn't you have ended up that way? Wouldn't Mm -hmm. you have ended up that way or something? What encourages people or what is, you know, what is the deciding factor for people to have that outlook to go,
1: this doesn't have to be my reality?
3: Well, so what encourages them,
2: or what sparks that, or, like is what? It, or is it what actually drives the the two to have different lives?
0: Yes, but more so with the sense that well, it
2: comes down, yeah, because it comes down to like if we use that exact example,
0: mm.
2: right? It's like what's the what's the perceptions, what's the like of the child? Like you got to remember that a child literally is born. You know, people thought you know in the fifties. I used to think that you used to instill values into the child. No, you might instill beliefs and morals and ethics, but that's not their value system. So a child is actually born with a set of values, and it's shown now that value systems that that you, that your values can come from up to five generations back because the values are actually stored epigenetically in the genome at the moment that you're um, conceived. Right. So and and. If we were to dive deeper on that, the values are actually the owned and disowned parts of the parents and their perceptions that they've accumulated. So that's passed on epigenetically under the genome, and then the child has those. So a child's born with a set of values. Now it could be it could be that it could be stuff to do with what's picked up in the womb. It could be stuff to do with what's what's going on around them when they're born. Um, but if you have a look at a child, when a child's born, they will move towards things and move move away from things. Why? Because they're showing you what they value. We look at it in a primal sense, human beings move towards things that they value and move away from things that they don't. Right? Children do the same thing. So if you've got a set of twins who are born, like, in the same environment, um, and whether that's painful or pleasurable, um, depending on their perceptions of support and challenge if we look at it in that sense will be how they decide to show up and act in the world right so so an example of that could be you know i won't use the alcoholic one i'll use use one that i normally use but let's imagine that um as a child you've got a high value on say say football as an example right but you've got a twin brother or sister who doesn't but you've got a father who's fucking obsessed with football, right? So your father wants you both to play football. So you both play football. Now the father's super hard, or perception of one of the children is the child is the dad super hard on me, and I can't live up to his expectations because no matter what I do, I don't play football good enough. Now the other child who fucking loves football, when the dad gives him feedback, they view it like this. They go, fuck, dad actually wants me to perform better. I'm taking on his advice so I can actually play AFL. Right? And so one child perceives dad as being, and this let's imagine it's the exact same experience. One child perceives dad as being over-challenging, doesn't care for them, they're not good enough for him. The other child perceives dad as caring for them, wanting them to be the best and wanting them to excel. And that's why he communicates and gives me feedback like he does. Right? And so then you have one child who 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 says, "Well, my dad was a fucking asshole. That's why I drink now because I never really dealt with the pain. Then you got another child who's an AFL star who says, "Well, I'm a fucking AFL star because my dad made sure that you know, like I was always performing at my best and I needed to learn what I needed to learn. Mm. So you have two people on two different ends of the spectrum based on their value system. So the same thing you can be said with the alcoholic, right? It's like, well, okay, well, if my father is an alcoholic, what's my experience of that? And what's my perception of that? Okay, well, my perception of that could be that I was over-challenged, but because of that, I became precociously, precociously independent. And at some point, I thought, fuck this, I'm not going to be like him. I'm going to fucking crush this. And because of the challenge that my father created for me, I became an entrepreneur because I've been dealing with challenge my whole life. And I was fucking you know crushing it by 30. The other The other child says, fuck, my dad never supported me. He just fucking abused me. No one was there to protect me. No one supported me. Um, my dad was a prick, right? And then all of a sudden, they have never dealt with that stuff, and they're using drugs and alcohol in order to deal with the pain that they have from their past, and they became exactly the thing that they swore they'd never be, right? So, so yes, I, there's environment, and there's, there's nurture and nature. 100% I agree with that concept. But there's also there's also like from the same family there's the different value systems and so people go well you were raised the same way no the the person in the family dynamic may have may by the way may have I'm not saying one hundred percent the father is an example in this may have. Um, treated you both in the exact same way and then your perception of those experiences and the way that you thought about things and then your beliefs about those things are the things that then drove you to be who you are today or the way that you're showing up today that doesn't mean that
3: you're trapped by that it's just working through that um uh or the a parent can potentially be treating one child differently to the other because you look at and you look
2: at it, and this is like talking from a real place here. This is a bullshit. This is real. A, a little human being in your life is another human being same as every other human being around you. You you've brought them into this world. Now, those individuals have traits, actions, inactions. They have their own personalities. Some children, some of your kids will fucking trigger you, and you will treat them differently to the way that you treat others. Right? Other, the, one of the other children, children you may oversupport, And so there is that dynamic that can also occur in a family because your children aren't all the same they're their own individual beings and each one will trigger you in different ways and the way that you respond to each child can be different so there's all those things that play out in regards to why why did a person end up the way that they are when they came from the same family
3: right another great example here would be if you have a look at a lot of um I wouldn't say a lot, but there is a pattern of wealthy
2: kids.
0: We joked about you picking my language up, not yours <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, I do it all the time to myself all the time. See? <laughs> I obviously miss it sometimes, right? Uh, so wealthy
3: kids come from supposedly well-to-do families.
4: Mm.
3: now, in one of my brothers is in the police um and there's some fairly affluent areas where he's from, right, Uh, where he works out of. And he said
2: the biggest troublemakers are the wealthy kids. He said that mum and dad, their mums and dads aren't home. So they all, like, have all this money. They can all just buy whatever drugs they want. And he's like, and then they think that they're all entitled and they think that they own the fucking place, right? Now, you talk to those parents, those parents probably think that they're doing the best fucking thing that they possibly could for those kids by working their ass off, creating this life
3: that, um, you know, like the house, the money, the fucking good school, you know, building all these things, right? But there's the downside of it. It's part of the downside of it. So one of the key things,
2: I guess, that I'm trying to get to on this point here is that as a parent, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you, you say. Well, it does partly, but it doesn't really matter what you do or say. You do not know how your children are going to perceive it. You might think that you're doing the best thing for your kids, and they fucking hate you. You might think that you're the worst fucking, worst fucking parent, and your kids thank you for everything, right? Because the truth is, is that you don't know how your kids are going to perceive it, um, and so therefore you don't actually ever know the consequences of how you act. I guarantee you that the alcoholic father never thought that their child will be an entrepreneur. They probably fucking potentially, you know, uh, you know, like thought that they probably they weren't dis-
0: thinking about much.
2: Well, probably not, right? Yeah. But, you know, like, as much as that individual was, an, was, let's say, was an alcoholic and their child turned into an entrepreneur, until that child might not recognise that it was a lot of the pain that allowed him to deal with the adversity of becoming an entrepreneur because of those experiences. Um, but if he is self-aware enough to realise those things, he'll say, well, you know, like, as much as my dad, as much as I... Um, blame my dad for some things. I also thank him for who I am today because without those things, I wouldn't be who I am today. Right? Whereas on the other side of that, the, the person who's turned out like their dad probably doesn't
3: have that perspective. They might be like, I'm fucking like this because of my dad and I fucking hate him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I feel like we like. Bear
0: right eye back, got some work to do. <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh, um, um, I'd. Re- yeah, yeah, I'd really,
2: I'd really like to swing back just to what you asked.
0: Swing away, Justin.
2: With the, because I feel like this is important to touch on. It. I feel like it. I was, I ran off a bit, but.
0: I mean, with, I'm disappointed we didn't talk about pizza for 45 minutes. But sure, we'll go back to what we were saying before.
3: <laughs> okay, um, pizza.
0: So don't <laughs> don't distract me.
3: <laughs> don't do that. Um, so. <laughs> Oh no! All I can see in my head is pieces. Um.
2: Yeah. uh, When you said, or when you asked the question about how you know when someone's going through this and how they discover the the purpose," on it, I I think I I, you know I gave a couple of examples of how that shows up for people. But I think Mm -hmm. that that when people are experiencing things like that, like their pain. You know their their grief, whatever it is. I think one of the the, the uh, really the, one of the only expectations the
3: individual should have on themselves is to support themselves in that emotion mm-hmm. until they're ready to work through it. Because
2: trying to force yourself to find purpose when you're in the middle of an emotion is impossible. And I know that if someone's listening now and they're in the middle of it, it's probably pissed them off and made them angry because there's their, they'll deny it. there's no purpose there's no benefits how can this serve me how has this been of service right and so really the 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 key thing is depending on where they're at in their journey is to is to really or if it, if they're at that part of their journey it is to support themselves in how they're feeling because one of the biggest traps is devalidating how you're feeling because a lot of people do it they do validate their own emotions and own
3: feelings because they they think that potentially they shouldn't feel this way um when in reality your
2: emotions are a natural reaction to things in the world and they're there as a feedback you know they're a mechanism for you to to learn something so so depending on where you're at in your journey you your journey at first may not be to find purpose in those things that you feel like are purposeless and a nothing but you know destroying you where you're at. That's not necessarily where you're at right now. If you're ready to do so though, which usually for most people it requires prolonged pain before people will actually go, fuck, I need to do something about this um, and not mask it. You know, that's one thing that a lot of people will do. You know, it's like taking um you know it's like taking painkillers for a broken leg. Right, you can numb your fucking leg and keep walking on it, but that fucking thing's broken,
4: mm-hmm.
2: you know. And that's what a lot of people attempt to do instead of like trying to fix the the root cause or or and, and really, if you look at it in our psychology, it's really coming back to what's the what's really the purpose behind this thing, you know, which is going to help us resolve and move through the emotion and then be able to um, grow from that. But again. You know, if I was going to give people one tip on that off this podcast, it would be to become aware aware of what you're feeling. Name it. You know, name it to tame it,
0: basically. Can't.
2: um... No, not the person. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, like what you're feeling, name it. Like one of the fastest ways to actually. Do
0: you mean the emotion? So like anger, sadness. yeah Yeah, disappointment yeah yes
2: name it like if because most of the time people get stuck in the story right and they've become Mm -hmm. the emotion becomes them so they're resentful they're in the story
4: Mm
2: -hmm. right and so they're feeling it all well and they're but they're feeling it all but they're really in their head it's like a fucking story in their head that they're running right and it's all it does is perpetuate the the emotion that you're feeling right makes it worse um, especially if you're perpetuating it in the sense that you're running the story but at the same time you're trying to resist what you're feeling right so the resistance creates a persistence now it'll always resist until you actually step away and observe it and mm-hmm. so the way that you do that is to actually name it so what specifically is it that i'm feeling name it is it grief Is a disappointment hunger is it anger well is it fucking hunger am i thirsty that, like that's true too yeah you know that's a whole other conversation, I won't go there. Don't, <laughs> episode pending. Yeah. Um,
3: just name it. Yeah. And then and then once you name it, um, the question is 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 it like you know, is it valid? Like is this what what I'm feeling? Is it actually valid?
2: Is it valid to feel this? I think you'll find that it is. I was just gonna and say, is that answer ever no? Well, it depends because sometimes... If like you're feeling you, you something, you're feeling it. No, well, sometimes the thought, though, that's mm-hmm. driving the feeling isn't valid.
0: No, but the feeling is valid, just the thought. Well, the feeling's
2: always valid based on the thought. Yeah. But most people need to ask themselves that question so they give themselves permission to feel.
4: hmm
3: Because most people have learned patterns of devalidating their emotions comparing
2: like avoiding their emotions instead of just
3: allowing themselves to feel their emotions now often when we just name it um allow ourselves to feel it now how we feel it for people um uh, emotions are just a vibration in the body
2: right and so in order to to so we name it so we name it we tame it but also what what does it feel like in my body is it like like this buzzing in my head you know like i know for me anger and frustration is all in my head it's nowhere else it's like this intense in my head right i know that when i feel like love or i'm feeling gratitude or i'm feeling like connected with someone it's in my heart i can feel it in here you know and it's like this like and you'll even notice like people when they talk about emotions they'll be like pointing to things parts of their body and moving the way that it moves and so one of the key key things as well is just to name it, um, then then look at what it's actually doing in your body, Mm -hmm. right? And often that in itself, because you've stepped back, you're not in it, you aren't it, you aren't the feeling, you're stepping back and looking at it. When you step back and look at it, it often allows it to go. It kind of just flows and lets go. Often it's when we're in it that we keep perpetuating it or when we're trying to resist it or when we're trying to devalidate it. That, or trying to ignore it, that it persists and it gets worse.
4: Mm-hmm. Why?
2: Because it's trying to get us to wake up to it. Right? So for people in that situation where they're not necessarily ready to search for the meaning and purpose behind it um, or ask the questions around it, um, that is an effective strategy to help them because mm-hmm. th- that also is powerful. That requires a high level of self-awareness. That requires the capacity to become self-aware. It also requires you to learn how to actually be with yourself just through that practice. It's just basically a self-awareness practice without making yourself wrong, without judging yourself for what you're feeling. Um, And then, you know, there's layers beyond that that you can take that stuff. So that's what I would say for those people. So, I hope that that helps them and doesn't make them feel pressure or feel like they're wrong in the sense that, fuck, there is no purpose to this thing. Okay, that's part, that's where you're at in
3: your journey. That's not right or wrong. That's where you are right now. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And for some people, though, like, you know,
2: I have tools that sometimes I still choose to feel as well. Like, that's part of the, being human, too. Right. Like if something's occupying time and space of my out of my mind and like distracting me away from the things that are important, I'm fucking working through that thing and it's gone. But sometimes I would rather choose just to feel shit. And there's periods of time where I just
3: <laughs> say fuck you to the work and I just feel stuff for a while. Yeah. So um. Yeah. I hope that helps those people and gives them a better perspective, or or it
2: doesn't or doesn't. Yeah, if it doesn't, if you're still pissed off at me. Or
0: oh, if it doesn't and you're still listening, um, congratulations.
2: Yeah, and I think we went on a fucking big rabbit hole, actually, tangent and off a bit. It was that question. I'm trying to remember what the question was about resentment. And then I started talking about the well, development can... journey, but I can't remember. I'll have to go back and. This
0: episode's going to go live on Monday, so you can listen back to it and message me. You can uh, voxer me, okay?
2: I'll voxer you. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Uh, um, apparently, I'm late to the game, right? To Boxer.
3: Uh, so, guys, if,
2: so, so if you're listening, I, um, I've, I sent Mel a message. When was it? A couple of nights ago.
4: Yeah.
2: And said, hey, like, connect with me on Boxer because I've taken all my communication to Boxer now for my coaching relationships. And Mel would basically told me that I was late to the fucking party by about what? Seven years? 2014. Yep. Is that seven years? <laughs> yeah. That's eight years, mate. I'm eight years behind. <laughs> Mate, hey, too fucking cool for school over here, MLK. Too hey? cool.
0: Um, hey, was, uh, to be fair, that, though, <laughs> I was like, because um, I deleted it. I was like, I'm not downloading another app, Justin. And I was, I knew that I'd had it before. And I was like, whatever, I'm going to go. I'll download it. And there were like messages and stuff from 2014. And I'm like, Jesus, it's like reopening my MySpace account or something. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, there you go. Was there so, any messages
3: that you hadn't read?
0: No. Nah. Mm. Just like, yeah, there was a couple from a guy that I was seeing and a friend that's no longer with us and things like that. So it was kind of creepy, kind of cool, kind of...
2: bit nostalgic. Yeah. Yeah. Time um,
0: warp. Okay. Hey? Time warp. Do you know what? I think we should... I would love to do an episode with you on nostalgia. Mmm. Mmm. For my own personal gain, no one else's gain. <laughs>
3: We'll just do a podcast for you only. Yes. Yeah.
0: Um, so we, I'm going to start this podcast backwards a little bit. Um, if you hadn't gathered, Justin and I have been working together in a coaching relationship. Um, and that's why I wanted to get him on here, because I do find his speaking's educational. Um, so, yeah, we hope you got something out of it. Justin, is there anything else you'd like to add? No,
2: that's probably it. I feel like I could probably keep talking, but I'm going to zip it because you know me very well and it would end up a four-hour podcast, so.
0: Do you know what? I actually didn't even bring my computer charger in because I was like, I'm going to. <laughs> if this baby dies, it dies. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so you had to auto cut off.
0: <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Um, no,
2: look, I just want to uh, look, look really, I just just want to say, you know, like some of the things that I spoke about today, are, um it's really just about your level of awareness. It's like, where are you at on that journey? You know, Um, and where you are at on that journey and where you are on the path of your self-awareness and growth journey will dictate, you know, like what fits for you and what doesn't and what you can take away and what you can't. And hopefully one of the key things that I like to, to think about, especially if something's come up that's challenged me or I don't quite, I'm like, the concept like I feel like is, maybe a little bit challenging and my internal world's going fuck off that's bullshit
3: is um whatever i'm thinking that i know that that's part of the thing that i need to explore because if i'm thinking fuck
2: off that's bullshit it's because there's something there that i need to see and need to learn and that i also have some sort of bias that's 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 wanting me not to see that side of things and so if you've felt that today or if you've or if anything I've said's made you feel that way, instead of just like cutting it off and thinking it's bullshit, just ask yourself the question: like, well, if if what he said is possible and real, what would that do for my life? How would that actually change my life? Because just just having that awareness and asking those questions can open you up to a whole new whole new world. It's just about having the curiosity on those things, not so much as shutting those things down. And if if at this point in time you go, well, okay, well, uh, maybe down the track I can explore this. I feel like there's something here for me, but it's not right now. That's great as well. If you explore it and it doesn't, you know, like it's something that's not going to fit for you, there's there's nothing that says that you have to take it on. You know, there's nothing that says that you have to take this on in your life. But what I would suggest is that, that a lot of things I've spoken about today are universal truths, which means that, that is that. That they're unbreakable based on laws of the universe, which then equate to our psychology. And so if you're not ready to take it on now, maybe explore it a little bit further when you're ready. Um, just have an open mind and be be curious about some of these things. Especially, I always think if there's something that's pushed your button, that's the sign of what you need to step into. Right. The cave that you fear to enter always holds the treasure that you're that you're seeking, right? So if you're triggered. Or if there's something, it's pushed your button, just realise that maybe the answer lies exactly in that thing. So, yeah, hope hope today has been helpful for some people. Hopefully and maybe has. maybe not helpful for some other people.
0: <laughs> Hopefully we've <have> deterred people.
2: <laughs> yes. Attracted where,
0: and
3: repulsed people.
0: Where can people find you, Justin?
3: Uh, other others. than on Boxer. <laughs> uh, I've got an OnlyFans,
2: or is this the right place for that? No, yep. uh, I don't really. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Justin Wiseman Coach. Um, and then on Facebook, just at Justin William Wiseman. So that's just not a business page. It's just a friend page. So if you want a friend request, friend Woo! me up, baby. Yeah, I'll be your friend. Happy to have lots of friends.
0: I've had two friend requests in the last 24 hours. I'm like, oh,
2: oh, Exciting. <laughs> Do you know um, who they are? Or are they like a friend of a friend of a friend? No,
0: yeah, I know who they are. Oh,
2: yeah. 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 It's, it's not some business coach trying to fucking get you into their program. No. No. Nah. Do you get that too? He,
0: yeah, he added me that two months ago. Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, we're going to hit stop.
2: All right, hit Stop.